may be familiar to some of us, but Genesis 1 and 2 is the account of creation. Something that's been debated probably since about the time creation was made. And shortly thereafter, when we fell into sin and began debating the origin of life and things of this nature, but the scriptures make it very plain, and I think they're accurate. It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. What was before the heaven and the earth? God. What was before God? can't answer that. If I could explain it to you, it would cease to be faith. Of course, you can ask somebody who believes otherwise, and you get to the end of their logic, and you find they have a faith in something too. So anyway, we can probably all agree on that. But what we have here is an account of of what God did in the beginning. Our origin story, if you will, where we came from and why we're here. I think too often we forget this. I certainly watched with interest the news yesterday and thought a lot about these types of things and saw a lot of hurt people. Of course, we've seen a lot of hurt people in this country too and in our own personal lives back and forth in different ways. And Sometimes that hurt is really, really bad, and sometimes it's not, and sometimes we're just offended by things or upset by things, and other times it's to the point of death. And it calls to an interesting question, why are we here? What are we supposed to do? What's, what's the reason for our existence? Currently, our society, I would say, generally teaches that there is no purpose for our life. We are here completely by accident, and therefore, whatever we choose to do with our lives is whatever makes you happy. I think the reality, though, is most of us, even if we kind of agree with that, find it unfulfilling. There is a reason we're here. There is a reason that we were created. There is a purpose for us. And finding that and fulfilling that is the greatest journey of our lives and is part of why we are here. And so we read just the first few verses that are so familiar. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day and the darkness night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. And then you continue on, and we see in day two, verse six, he creates the firmament or the atmosphere and oceans and goes on and creates dry land and all different types of vegetation and things that grow on dry land. You'll note the the fourth day, he creates the sun, the moon, and the stars, which brings up a very entertaining question. What was the light before the sun, the moon, and the stars? And you just keep coming back. Eventually, I'll answer that question in another sermon. It's not because I don't know. I'll just a little teaser there. He goes on and creates birds and fish. And he creates animals. Creates man. And on the seventh day, God rested. Now, why did he rest? Because he was tired? No. Why did he do this in six days with the seventh day of rest? I don't know. But that's what it says. Could it have taken him 10,000 years to do each of these things? Sure. Could it have taken him 10 seconds? Yep. But he did it in a day. 
I take this very literally, as you can probably tell from the way I'm talking about it today. But what I want to point out is that God is the creator. That He is the one who took nothing and made it into something. And that is not an ability that any of us have, nor have we ever had. That is peculiar something, and specifically something that only God can have, is the ability to originate things, to have something out of nothing. All we simply do when we talk about us creating things is rearrange things. And we're really good at it as people. That's one of our skills. We can rearrange all types of things. We can take things that are already made and create, but again, rearrange and make an amazing building or a machine or a computer or a painting or music or language. We can breed different types of animals and plants and make all different types of things. But again, we're not creating anything new. We're simply rearranging what's here. And that hasn't even ceased to exist yet. We have all different types of things that we continue to create. It goes back to what we learn in Ecclesiastes 1 and 9. It says, what has been will be and what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. And so we need to understand that when we create, and that's a fine word to use. I'm not trying to say we should never say that we don't create a painting or we don't write and create stories or we don't build new things. But we must understand the fundamental difference between taking what's already here and rearranging it into something new to us and taking something that has never been done before out of nothing and creating something new. That is something that only a God and our God can ever, ever do. And it's a beautiful thing. I think that's why he goes through after each day and says it's good because it is. It's what he made out of nothing. And it was and is good. We also notice through all these six days that with one exception, he does everything by speaking. God said, let there be light, and there was. God spoke the earth into existence. God, by his voice, made the waters and made all the fish that live in them. By his speaking into existence, he made all of the animals. By speaking into existence, the sun and the moon and the stars. Can you imagine the power of alone his voice to just speak things into creation? That is God. That is power. That is authority. That is amazing. But then God did something very special. And this is where I really want to focus today. Genesis 1 and 26. On the sixth day, God had made animals. Let me back up and start with verse 24. Chapter 1, verse 24. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creatures after his kind, cattle and creeping things, beasts of the earth after its kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after its kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth on the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And then we get to verse 26. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. And he blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. 
and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And what we see here is the account of how we are made. And I want to take just a minute today to point out some of the peculiarities and the differences with how we are created with how everything else was done. Because I think sometimes we need to remember just how unique we are and so we can know our purpose and our role in this world. So going back to verse 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image. And here begins the difference. It says... Make. And everything else, if you read the first chapter, it's create. You ever noticed that before? God made us. He didn't create us the same way that he, made, he created everything else. He spoke the moon and the stars into existence, but he physically made us out of something that already existed. He made us. There's a a difference between speaking and creating it and making us. He made us in His image. Now the image, this idea of an image, denotes more of an outward appearance. If we were to take an image, uh, a picture, and show an image of something, we would say it looks like something, but it's not, right? So we are not God in the sense that we are fully God with His abilities and His uh, uh, all these things that He had, but we are similar to or like Him in this sense. We resemble the qualities that He has. Now just pause there just for a minute, and I want us to really think about this. Maybe you've heard this story many, many times. Maybe you've never heard it before. God spoke everything into existence. Everything you've ever seen or heard or touched or tasted, God created all of it by speaking it into existence, and it was, and it was good. And then... He made you to be like Him. Do we grasp how special that makes us? Do we think about a God who has the ability to do anything He wants to and made us? Wow. If we would really sit back and think about this and ponder this throughout our day, would we not realize or come to a realization of just how special and how different we are? We are not like the animals. We are not like the rest of the earth. God made us physically to be like Him in a similar image as Him. Now, verse 7 of the next chapter, chapter 2 we see a little more information about how this occurred. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. This is very important. Again, this is what separates us on the sixth day from all the animals and mankind. This is what makes us not, well, yes, we're mammals and an animal in that sense, as far as we scientifically classify things. It's what makes us different from everything else, is that we were made and that we received the breath of God, that we were made in His image with His likeness. It says we were formed, again, 
purposefully made. This idea, that same word is used uh, again repeatedly. It carries with it, and rightfully so, the idea of a potter who's going to carefully craft something. Could God have spoken us into existence? Absolutely. But God chose, just like someone who's going to make a piece of pottery, would start with dirt and clay and slowly work it into something that's useful and often something that's beautiful, something with care. And we can probably think about a time when either we've done it or seen it. It's kind of not as common as it used to be. You put a piece of clay on a wheel and it spins and you form it and you shape it into something useful and something beautiful. And you take time to do that. I've expressed this before. I don't know that necessarily this is entirely accurate, but this is how I like to view it. I don't think I'm entirely wrong by saying it, but I think you could say that there's an image or you could have an image or hold an image in your mind that God Almighty, in the purest sense possible, physically got down in the dirt, scooped it up, and intimately and patiently and with time and care made us out of the ground. Isn't that beautiful? He formed us with purpose, with shape like a pottery. And then he did something amazing that sets us apart, that gives us life, that makes us so unique and such a blessing. He breathed a soul into us. This is a gift. This is a gift. This is life that he gave us. He breathed life into Adam. And he became a soul. What did he give him? What is this likeness that we're talking about that I think we receive when we have a spirit? What is it that separates us from the animals? One, we can reason. Animals don't really do that very well. We have a will. We can act. We can speak. I think language is actually really important. We have knowledge. And at least initially, we were immortal. So these are the ways that we are like God. He has these characteristics, obviously, to perfection and to because of perfection, a degree that we can't even fathom. And we have only the slightest, smallest amount of them, but it still makes us like him in these ways that we had this ability to reason and to logic and to think, to communicate, to speak, to feel, to understand, to make plans, to act, to do all the things that we do on a daily basis and never stop to think about all of the things that animals don't do. We have, because God chose to form us, to literally make us and then to breathe a part of himself into us. And we become, in a sense, like him in that way. He carefully formed us. And we see a beautiful image from this. So what do we do with this knowledge? How do we really appreciate this? How do we respond? Well, I think that comes down to the purpose. Why did he do this? Many times I think people have this image of God being some kind of this cool, cruel cosmic joke, so to speak. 
How could there be a God if we all fight each other, like we're seeing unfolded on television in multiple parts of the world? Well, that wasn't what he wanted. But if he was going to make us like him, he had to give us some free will. Bryden Harden on the Daily Audio Bible, which I hope all of you all are listening to, has phrases, like all of us, they come and go over time, so I haven't heard it as much recently, but he has a phrase for years, and it really struck with me. Love isn't love if it isn't free. I can't force someone to love me. It's a choice, or it isn't really love. And so God created us and gave us the ability to choose what we would do, whether we would love him or whether we would not love him. And most of us are choosing what? Not to love him. The one who created us out of nothing. What do we love instead? We tend to love ourselves. We tend to love the created more than the creator. The scripture warns us of this thousands of years ago that we would do this. We have a choice how we will respond. But God made us like him so that we could be with him, so that we can reason with him, so that we can choose him, so that we can act and do things, so that we can speak to him, so that we can spend time with him, so that we can be engaged with him in a relationship. And all you have to do is read the first two chapters and you see this. What did God and Adam do? They walked together as much as God can walk in the garden. And they talk. It's a beautiful hymn. Come to the garden alone and he walks with me and he talks with me. Where does that come from? Right here in Genesis. Did God create us to never talk to us? No. God wants to talk to you. He wants you to listen to what he says. He wants to have a communication with us. So he walked with them. He talked with them. Again, this goes both ways. God gave them duties, general things to take care and subdue the earth. Now, that sounds like really harsh language today. Oh, boy, we subdued the earth. Listen, that means care for it. That means you're supposed to take care of it. But it also means you're supposed to use the resources that he gave you. We are to be caretakers of what he has given us. He made us over the rest of creation to rule and to make it. So that means it's okay in the right way that we form it to conform to our uses. God put Adam in charge of Eve to care for her in the same way. And God also gave them a rule. Just one. Only one. Wouldn't it be nice if there was only one thing in life you had to do? Right? Like, again, pic- picture this for a minute, right? God says you can do anything you want to in literal paradise. Just don't eat that, that one tree over there. Wouldn't you, like, go camp on the other side of the garden? <laughs> right? Like, hey, you know what? I'm not even going to go near that sucker. Right? I don't want to risk it. One thing is all I got to do. And that one thing called and beckoned. And they were tempted. And Eve fell. And sin entered the world. And what happened? Well, because of disobedience, God had to curse everything. Which means that no longer do I live forever. No longer do I have even um, closer 
intellect and wisdom and ability to God, all of that is diminished. Why is it diminished? Because God had to punish because we disobeyed the one rule that he said. And what have we continued to do since that very day? Disobey, disobey, disobey. Over and over and over again. Everything he says for us not to do, we run around and do it. And everything he tells us that we should do, we're like, nah, not today. It's disobedience. And so there has become this separation between us and between God for thousands of years that's been going on now. And so you can look at me and say, you know, Brother Ben, I don't, I don't remember the last time God spoke to me. Okay. When was the last time he spoke to him? When was the last time you spoke to him and just actually talked to him and didn't give him a list of demands? When was the last time you went for a walk and asked him to join you? When was the last time you sat down and just quietly considered the fact that you come from Adam and Eve who God physically formed out of the earth and breathed a part of his spirit into and just sat with that and realized how much God loves you. See, this is why we are here. This is what we're here to do. God loves us and wants to know us. He wants to be with us. He loves us so much, it says in Matthew 10, 30, that he knows the hairs in our head. Each of us. How many hairs are on your head? Okay, some of you less than others. But the point is, I have no idea. There's hair I don't even know about. It's everywhere. And God knows every single person, he knows you that much. Now, do you really think that if he really knows how many hairs are on your head, he doesn't care about what kind of day you had yesterday? Of course he does. So all of this, he creates all of this, and then he makes us, he forms us, he breathes a part of his spirit into us to give us a living soul, a spiritual essence that allows us to be, to be known by him and to be known of him. We sin and mess all of that up. We continue to mess it up. And so there is this divide between us and him. And there's only one way to solve it. And that's for someone to come who can rectify all of this. Do you know who that was? His own son. So God had to send his own son to be crucified for us on our behalf to take the blame because we cannot live a perfect life. We cannot live up to the standard that he has given. And there has to be a way for us to overcome that. And so our faith in Jesus Christ is what overcomes that and allows us to then have fellowship with him restored. Now, is that perfect fellowship? No, not this side of heaven. Because we still have to live here. And we're still somewhat separated. So what am I trying to say with all of this? I want us to remember in a world that is increasingly difficult to remember. God lovingly, thoughtfully, purposefully created you. 
He purposefully, lovingly, thoughtfully created you. He also created... I'm going to get in real trouble today. Do you know who else he created? The Palestinians. And the Russians. And the Ukrainians. And the Israelites. He made us. And he wants all of us to know him. All of us. It's real simple to start throwing words around and ideas and say, well, you're not part of me. But listen, God made us and he desperately wants us to be with him. That is the solution to absolutely everything. Whether it's an issue of quote-unquote religion, or an issue of race, or an issue of language, whatever it is in our lives that we think divides all of us, we do all have one thing in common, that we were created by a divine, perfect God to love Him. We have all done a very poor job at that, but He is desperately waiting for us to return. And He provided the way for us to do it. What's the answer to the entire world's problems? Jesus Christ. That's the answer. Our faith in Him and a return to doing what God wants us to do is the answer to all of the problems. Because He loves us. Because He thoughtfully, patiently, carefully created us. Because He wants us to be in a relationship with us. He wants us to know Him. He wants us to talk with Him. He wants us to willingly take Him. Now, He is everywhere already anyway, but He wants us to bring him along, if you will, everywhere we go. No matter who we talk to at school, no matter where we travel to, no matter what we do at work, he wants to be there with us because he loves us, because he created us, because he made us. You could even argue that I think a very prime reason that he made the entire world was because of us, because he wanted us to know him. And God was even willing to give up his own son to purchase us. So as we go throughout our week, I pray that God would help that to be driven into us. I pray that often throughout the week we would think, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And I pray that we would really stop and think about what that means. Because if that's true, and I believe that it is, what does that mean for you? If God created you, and God wants to have a relationship with you, what do you do then? I think you have to be, among other things, still and quiet enough to hear what God does have to tell you. And boy, do we have a hard time with that in our society. I pointed out before, I think that's why sometimes people of old days, not too long ago days, it was a little easier in some ways. Because when you're walking behind a team of horses or oxen plowing a field for eight hours a day, you got a lot of time to be with God. 
And we fill our lives now with anything but. So maybe at the very least, what we need to do this week is take some time to sit and to be quiet. To listen to what God wants to tell us. To let him come walk with us. And he may reveal and tell you, I know the number of your hairs. I love you. I sent my son to die for you. I created the entire world so that we could have a relationship. And he may look at you and tell you, and we don't have one. And if that's the case, then you need to talk back and tell him, I want one, show me how. And he'll tell you. Or you may be sitting this week or moving about this week and realize and be reminded of what you already know, that you do have a relationship, that God has saved your soul, but you have begun to wander a little far away from the purpose for which God made you, which is to have a relationship with him. Return. Spend time. Talk to him. Tell him about your day. It's not wrong to pray for other people. At all. The Bible tells us to do as much. But what do you think Adam was praying about when he was talking with God? It wasn't for anybody to get better. There were no injuries. It wasn't for the sick animal. There was no sickness. It wasn't for rain because he had all the rain he needed. It wasn't for a drought because there weren't any droughts. You see my point. Yet Adam found something to talk to God about. It wasn't because he needed anything, though. And I think we need to spend more time talking to God, not about our needs, just about our day. And then be quiet and see what he says back. So let me offer a prayer. And then we'll have a, a hymn. Lord, we come to you this morning. Lord, I pray that you would help us to stand in awe of you. Lord, I I pray that you would help us to step outside this building, Lord, and see the beauty that you have created. Lord, I pray that you would help us to look on other people that you have created and see the beauty. Lord, I pray that you would break our hearts for what breaks yours. Lord, I pray that you would help us to realize that you love us, that we are special, we are unique, we are not just more advanced animals. No, God, you have given us reason and wisdom. You have given us a spirit. You have given us the ability to talk and to communicate with you. You have given us the free will to choose to love you. And you did that because you love us first. And so I pray that you would Weigh that on us this week. Lord, that everything we see, when we see beauty, we think of you. Every time, Lord, that we are at a moment's peace, Lord, that we would think of you. And Lord, at times when we are in the turmoil and we are in the struggle, Lord, that we would still think of you and we would seek you out. Lord, I pray that you would guide us, lead us, remind us just how much you love us. So much that you're willing to create an entire world and fill it with people 
some of whom who will do the most horrible things possible. Lord, just so that you can know me and love me. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be captivated by that. Lord, that you would help us to love you back. Lord, that you would call those to you the first time. And Lord, for those of us who know your voice, that we would be patient and silent long enough to hear you call and obedient enough to follow. To follow behind you as you lead us through an uncertain world. Lord, we love you because you loved us first. In your name we pray. Amen.